Oh, what a Sunday of jujitsu. I got tired watching because you get all tense when people start to pass and you're like in your seat trying to not let them pass. It's a very weird, just happens. It's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is really tiring and fun to watch when you're located there. Here to tell us all about it, Raph Esparza. Raph, you were there at IBJJF. It's true. I want to redo the show opening uh, right now, though, with uh, some press wording, I guess you could say, that I came up with. Do you mind if I just take a stab at saying... it's time. Okay, here we go. It's time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, welcome to Verbal Tap, the show that investigates how long a lifetime ban actually is. <laughs> That's, uh, I like that. I like that copy. It could, it could really be fast, it turns Start out. Start the clock, because uh, lifetime ban is a definite way of telling someone, oh, I'm super pissed at you. And it's also a way to indicate to others who have rational form of thoughts and processes. Is that a no reaction? Nate Diaz got more for smoking some weed. This is, it feels like it was a slight <laughs> overreaction. But you know what, kids? We call this a tease in the business. We'll get back to that topic in a little bit. But let's talk about IBJJF Worlds because oh. we're jiu-jitsu people yeah. and uh, I have an appreciation for it. We were pot invested in this one because it came through late in the game that our good friend John Evans was going to be doing commentary for it. He was good, too. I had a lot of fun listening to it. It was weird. Like all of a sudden, because I had the last thing I had heard him doing was BJJ breakdown, and mm-hmm. I've only ever heard the two of you. Mm-hmm. So for it to just be him, it was like uh, it was good. But then it, you weren't next to him. So it was I'm pretty classically conditioned. <laughs> That's fine. And John was the same way. You know, John in his own way was like it was weird. Like I looked and you weren't there, and I was like, well, no, John, <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Uh, but. The reason why it was weird to not be commentating with him, he had very uh, awesome uh, Tyler Bishop working with him, a black belt, a very good broadcaster in his own right. And then on the other ones and twos, they had Sean Williams. So he got to, con- you know, he got to do commentary with a person who's instructed with him in Sean Williams. Like Sean has taught him at five star, so that was amazing to see. And then there's Kenny Florian walking around. So. John was part of a good group, but I had to explain to him because I would go occasionally drop off uh, food and drink packages to him because I've worked with him and I'm familiar with how the process works. So much in the same way that you would see in the Hunger Games where nice uh, trinkets would fall from the sky, there would just be a monster energy drink, otherwise known as the John Evans life force that would just magically avail itself on the table. And some people would say, I don't need that. But John just looked at you and was like, thank you so much. And then so, took his key out and punched a hole in the top. So he <laughs> shotgun. Absolutely. Just... It's the most unhealthy thing that man does. Uh, but I will say this, Kev. Uh, I had to explain this to him and other people later on, which is, you know, a lot of people talk about at Worlds when you're a coach, you can't really do anything. You're just kind of on the sidelines and – you are hoping the best. You're yelling out some good instructions for your students. But ultimately, you really can't do anything. You're just kind of helpless. That's how I felt watching John do commentary the whole weekend. Oh, without, so, you, without you there. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, John and I have a very reciprocal uh, 
kind of uh, understanding where, you know, he helps me with jujitsu. I help him with commentating and talking and putting words together. So there were a lot of times when I just saw him starting to like violently head shake and I'd go, no, John, calm down. Get that head down. John, we got to work in. Get that head down. Look at the screen. Don't look at the action. Look at the screen, John. That's what we're doing. All right. Get your head in the game, man. I will definitely say there was a few times we all got excited. <laughs> John, John too. But there was uh, Sunday. We had some matches. We did. We got Keenan versus Low too, which I'm Loved. ready to see them fight Loved submission every only. Second of that. What? Loved every second of that. They their Saturday fight was actually better. I would argue, sure. but their Sunday yeah, fight was quite exquisite as well. Um, we also got to see there was a lot of drama, Kevin. I mean, just in terms of, you know, yeah. does Andre Galvo get a very negative response a ton of times? Not necessarily, but very on rarely. Sunday, there was a very big split on if he should have won his title. Um, then, agree. of course, there's also never a worlds or pans without screwing over a meow, but this time <laughs> it worked in their favor. So, it was fun to see the crowd get on edge that he may lose a decision. Um, then you've also got drama in the sense that I think this is opening up a new world for us because let's look very well at the facts. If you're watching Mackenzie Dern and Michelle Nicolini, I will watch that fight anytime you put it on. Anytime you put those two in a match, I will 100% watch it. But it was a sad kind of moment for me when I realized, yeah, I know everybody's really sad that uh, Nicolini is going to be retiring after this match and she left her belt on the floor and that was a great sign of respect she got a standing ovation that was much deserved but at the same point Mackenzie Dern's going to be doing more MMA now as well so we're kind of losing both of them and in the same respect Hamalo did the same thing later on that day and uh I think if anything, it it's not. I wouldn't say a changing of the guard, but there are definitely going to be some slots that open for that next generation to take in. Now that you have those names and perhaps a few more that won't be participating, so yeah, it did feel like that. that. I actually I, there was an underarching theme all day that it was sort of a passing of the guard. It's like it just felt like our first group of real, not just our found, not like the founders of this sport, but now that next first wave is kind of retiring. It's weird. Yeah. It's a little yeah. bizarre. Uh, did you have other favorite matches that you saw? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know exactly where to start. Pretty much any time Leandro Lowe fought, I was watching the S out of it. Oh, man. He and Keenan's second one. That last 30 seconds got very close. Uh, when Hamilo came down from minus eight, was pretty shocking. Or I guess mm-hmm. he was down five. He got it. Was, uh, that was absolutely absurd because I had it was like, oh, five. This thing's over. Buchecha had some string of matches, including the final match mm-hmm. to win the open. Holy f! The reversal that he got for people that didn't see it. I don't know exactly how to explain this jujitsu move, but he started to get swept, and he backstepped and balanced and turned it into just a beautiful two points absurdly amazing 
he is uh, quite good at what he does. But I thought there was an especially great moment where it was a kind of underwhelming match between him and Urberth. And I only say it in this respect in that those two are insane. Urberth was on fire throughout this tournament. Yeah. He took out an early favorite, somebody who I think you could very make a big case that they could have won the whole thing. But when you take out Bernardo with no problems at all in such a quick and dominant fashion, and I got to tell you, I was really concerned for uh, Bernardo because I saw him in the like medic area for a long time. You saw uh, Marcelo Garcia checking in on him. He was just there, and I think it was later revealed that he had a shoulder kind of or a, a pec tear. So that was terrible to see. But on the other side, Herberth and Buchecha, you're expecting fireworks, and there were. There were definitely fireworks at the beginning. They get to kind of a 50-50, and then they're there. We later come to find out that I think Buchecha may have injured his rib. I don't know if that's for sure or if he had anything major going on. And uh, one of the secrets of Buchecha is, is that sometimes – yeah, he takes a little bit of a breather, but he is known for a high pace sort of uh, finishing rate and at least making matches super exciting. So right after that, with the last two minutes to the round, him and Urberth were definitely making that worthwhile. And Buchecha double golding, now making history with Hodger Gracie's win title record. It's impressive, if only even more in the fact that Buchecha just came back from an injury and you couldn't have even told that that was a thing. Like, you could not tell. He was submitting the fuck out of people. Yeah. And he's a dangerous man. You notice how many people he passes on the right as well as... Like, he just winds up directly around your neck so yeah. quickly and you try and fight and he arm bars you. Big, yeah. strong, talented dude. <clears throat> So, yes. Anyway. Um, Andresa Correa? Yes. Just fuck. <laughs> yep. No, thank you. Dominique <laughs> so uh, is, is like, insane. Ugh. You can just see the the pressure and you're like, go. <laughs> yeah. Don't want it. In the same vein, I don't think I've seen anybody have a, a match like Dominica who basically came through 33 to zero. And uh, that's impressive. Um, there was just a lot of highlights, but, uh, you know. Uh, Hamelo and Buchecha and Torres. Michelle Nicolini and JT is always great. Hoffa. Uh, Hoffa winning a sixth title. There's, there was a lot to watch and, and be happy about. So we hope that you guys enjoyed the flow grappling presentation of it. I got to see a whole bunch of how their system works. It was really cool. So um, our oh, thanks really? to them for providing uh, some good stuff. And uh, we hope to see more from them coming up very, very soon. But Kev, lifetime ban. Lifetime. Okay, I messaged you immediately mm-hmm. when, and I think this is worth explaining in context. Immediately when it dropped on the broadcast, and I say I texted you because it seemed like it really had surprised Joe Rogan. Yes, to the point where he was like, "What are we even talking about? Who's he fighting? Like, <laughs> what?" And Goldberg's like, "I mean, we could talk about how excited we are." <laughs> it's just this weird back and forth. We now know the reason they broke it so fast or in post hence is because at the time they were busy showing Ariel Hawani the door along with his team. Bush League move, by the way. You're going <laughs> to drop a journalist, drop the journalist. They're like, camera guy, fact you out, everybody. Everyone with this fucking guy. 
lifetime ban. Raph, is he back? Yeah, they announced uh, that lifetime ban, I believe, late last night that it had been lifted and that the UFC basically decided that, yes, they were very disappointed that they, MMA Fighting and uh, Ariel Hawani, discovered the information in such bad form. But for the good of the sport, they're going to give him back his credentials because they came to an agreement. And that agreement was that they just pissed off every single person in the press corps and every single fan for doing dumb shit wrong. Yes. All right. All right. All right. So let me let me see where I can say this. I was actually having a discussion uh, with the wife about this because she couldn't understand why any of this shit happened. And she almost could see the fact, much in the same way that Joe Rogan was saying that, well, the UFC really felt like they had their announcement spoiled, which if you're going to ask me what I thought about that, who gives a fuck? In (laughs) fact, if anything, the reason that there was a backlash against it was perhaps from the UFC's perspective that they spent money on a commercial to make the announcement. But Kevin, do you give a fuck that Brock Lesnar is fighting at UFC 200? Yes. Yeah. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Okay. So you want to see it. Yes. And you are excited about it. Very. Can I tell you that I am not? Why aren't you? I, that because surprises who me. Who gives a fuck? Sure. And more importantly, <laughs> trying to make that as an announcement that's going to be some kind of huge news. You know, Brock Lesnar has records for the UFC in breaking pay-per-view streams. And that was when he was at the very beginning of being that pay-per-view draw. Over time, the UFC's product brand has saturated. Brock Lesnar was a big brand name that brought in some attention for the WWE when he switched back over and he was fighting for the the WWE again after his UFC run. But then I think that diluted again. So yes, he is a draw. But to act like the mere announcement of a commercial should be the end-all be-all is the most ridiculous shit because (laughs) it not only plays the hand wrong, it then makes the news about him, Brock Lesnar, that hope draw that you're going to make incentivize people to buy more pay-per-views, the backstory (laughs) to Errol Hawani getting kicked out. So even if the UFC's pissed about it, they did a strategy that works against them just for the fact that they not only didn't get the scoop, but then they look like idiots afterwards. And why do they look like idiots, Kevin? I'll tell you two reasons. Number one, they look like idiots because their first reaction was a knee-jerk reaction. And if you listen to the Dana White impression that we do on this show, there's a lot of fuck yous and F-bombs and all that sort of thing. And we, we try and play up a character that you know is always kind of uh, a little bit on the eccentric side and really doesn't like press and refers to them as dummies. But sometimes I can't even script a version of Dana White that's more hilarious than the real one. Because you can imagine that Dana White gets his birthday party spoiled and the first reaction out of his mouth is, Hey, you fucking dummy. You're banned for fucking life. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, the event's not over. Can I be banned after this event? No, get the fuck out of here. Will you ban me after? Nope, right now. Okay. Well, okay. well then you just let me cover all the way till now till you get the moment where you can do it. And as a symbol of making me an example, me being Errol Hawani in this situation, you want me to leave now. Yo, get the fuck out of here. Okay. Not only do you want to make an example out of Errol Hawani, but then you want to make an example out of his photographer and another staff member from MMA fighting. And these are all stupid things to be doing. So 
Not this a single up, one of them isn't dumb. I and agree. Here's the, the question, though, Kevin. What Ariel was doing was reporting the news. And this was something that I'm not sure my wife could pinpoint or understand. Because to a certain degree, like I said, her and Joe Rogan, they could see, like, yeah, the UFC is a private business. They can decide who gets credentialed. But the question is, do they do this shit in other sports? And if so, what was the remedy through those other sports? I'm trying to think of if this happens. This doesn't happen at all now with the NBA or the NFL. Mm-hmm. Or any of them, like that—that's what was so baffling to me. No, I don't remember. I don't remember a time ever a sports organization walked a journalist and their team out for reporting something that was true, and they just happened to get through sources. I'm, I'm racking my brain. Like this feels like something very oppressive dictatorships have done the world over. Uh, it's it's interesting in the fact that, yeah, a lot of people want to talk about the free speech angle. And I can understand that Ariel wants to take it from the side of, yeah, if you want to make it that, it's not I that. I just think it's really inappropriate to be like, you're out of here. It's like you don't <laughs> – according to Joe Rogan, he had been warned. They didn't like that he was getting inside information. Because there's a mole. yourselves. Like, because, no one Kevin, likes there's a getting... mole. You know, just like there's a mole in like other corporations – this shit's going to leak out and it's going to change the world. No, this was a fucking fight announcement that they wanted to be on top of because the UFC you, likes the micro actually single area. You and I are on the same page in the size of this. Joe mm-hmm. Rogan was making the opposite argument. Like they've invested millions of dollars. Like in what? In, in the promo? Because like, the argument is that they want to control the press. Well, I'm sorry. That's simply not how the press works. Well, then it's the just an extension you. of the PR department that they have. And if so, maybe have the PR department do a better version of making that announcement. And I would argue that Ariel announcing that earlier may have actually gotten more people interested in wanting to see slash hear that fight. That they didn't even announce the fight. They just announced the tease that he's in a commercial. So when you see fucking sports fucking like – the Super Bowl, they still have teases. They released that information earlier. And yeah, I'm sure it could piss off people because they want that surprise factor. But who gives a fuck? If so, if they hadn't done this, mm-hmm. if they hadn't knee jerked for such an insignificant, because you and I both think the releasing of this information for a fight, it's like, so fucking what? You're going to release it. And that's it the weird thing. Day. So like, does Joe Rogan. However, Joe Rogan takes it from the perspective of, He's like, I'm not a corporate shill, guys. I'm not taking this stance. But let me say a few nice words about Dana because, I mean, they're people too. And it is disappointing in the fact, and I was telling you this off air, and I don't know that you fully grasp where I want to go with this, but I do say it in in all seriousness. Joe Rogan, one of his heroes, is Hunter S. Thompson. All I could think about is Hunter S. Thompson listening to him, Joe Rogan, go off on a rant saying what he really believes about the UFC and about a fight announcement being enough to kick a reporter out of a situation. Walk and it him just, out. Walk him out and do that sort of shit. And it's somewhere in my brain. It just doesn't click. Now, granted, Hunter S. Thompson, the first words out of his mouth would have been like, oh, are you an alligator? But shortly thereafter, <laughs> he would have then said, what the fuck is this all about? He'd have focused in, and then he would have been like, wait, aren't the press credentialed by the ufc to cover it as they see fit 
well, he would have just been like, fuck the system. This is fucking stupid. Your credentials are moronic and this is dumb. Go yes. back to the backyard stuff. That was way more interesting. So anyway, age, I thinking. guess the, the issue that I find, and if I could say the point two of this whole situation is, yeah, we get a knee-jerk reaction that's really dumb. But then we get problem the second, which is then we find out the UFC creates fucking willy-nilly knee-jerk reactions that then don't mean a fucking thing. Because in less than 48 hours, they had to do an about-face and re-credential Ariel Hawani, even though... 24 hours after it happened, Dana White said, yeah, he can fucking cover it if he wants to, but he better buy a fucking ticket, which means I'm going to go and double down on this perspective that, yes, what he did was fucking bullish and I hate him and how dare he. And then 24 hours. Yeah, he can come back, which they can't even keep a consistent dumb policy because (laughs) there was too many people who got angry about it as they should. So. It works me up because I have seen the UFC, I have seen their PR team, I have seen Dana, and the way that they do bully those people inside of that shit is not exactly the world's most freely thought press you have ever seen. But when you attack the person who is the, I guess, threat equivalent of a cream puff... Then what the fuck is it for the rest of the people who want to report real news? And more importantly, if it's news that the UFC doesn't like, they don't get to report and have the final say on it every single time. And they're welcome to credential who they want. But my first reaction after I heard Errol's side and I looked at it and I said objectively, well, let's hear what the UFC had to say. And when their silence went through for a full 24 hours and then they released that statement to TMZ that said – you know what? Fuck him. He has to go buy a ticket. It told me they were in the wrong and they knew it. And not only that, to then about face shows that, yes, the fans may have been reacting. And, yeah, some people might say, like, fuck Ariel. I, I don't care. I don't really like him anyway. All that sort of shit. It's more the principle of it. And more so the fact that, yeah, they were trying to make an example of it. And they ended up looking stupid because they played their hand wrong. So... Maybe a learning mechanism from this whole thing is maybe think about how you're playing your hand the next time you are dealt with something like this, the UFC, because one man definitely took it upon himself to make a thing of it, and it worked. And that may not happen every single time, but it may be enough to let you know that there are some in the press who won't shut up. So there's that. And if you want to talk about a fucking mole, as if that's a huge fucking problem... And then take it out on the guy who got the information. Like, it's, it's fucking hilarious. And I can't, I can't even say it with a straight face of like, Kevin, they have a mole inside the UFC. Why is that anyone else's problem but the UFC's? So, anyway. This would have been a great night for them. They could have knocked it out of the park, 199. And this is why they need to hire a professional to do their press. A professional. Someone with credentials and the ability to speak publicly without using the word fuck quite so frequently. Still use it, just pick your times. This is why anyone with half a brain, press-wise, would have stopped you and said, do not do this. The fights are going well. Anything could happen with Bisping. (laughs) If you shut the fuck up and we just ride this Brock thing and that we're going, everybody's going to be fine. That's what a professional would have told them to do. A child reacts 
not even a like a I guess I'm using a I'm kind of giving children a bad image like <laughs> someone throwing a tantrum goes escorts your five-time MMA journalist of the year award out the door with his crew you're just trying to embarrass someone for no reason and then to lift the lifetime ban like you weren't even serious was so well, I mean, ridiculous. When I they want, lifted I that want Joe Rogan to answer a few questions about it because his yes well, sure. crew was just like, no, eh, we'll go right with it. And it's like, wait a minute. No I mean, one again. thinks this is ridiculous. You guys are members of the press. Like, what if that had been Joe that got walked out? I just think he would have been feeling a little differently than, uh, you know. I don't even mind corporation to play uh, devil's advocate on this. I just thought it was I think a dumb argument. in which he was trying to bring forth the argument and elucidate the UFC's perspective was weak. And I think that he may see it from that perspective, and that's fine. And I'm, I'm glad that he could balance it out. But we gave the UFC time to explain their side of it. And more importantly, he might have gotten that explanation from them, but we didn't. Instead, we got a, a press statement or a response from Dana that said the equivalent of buy your own ticket and then had accusations that he said, go fucking cover Bellator, compiled with maybe another accusatory statement that said Ariel Hawani's too negative, which what? Like what? <laughs> What? You're going to say that this kid is too negative? Do you listen to like any other press? <laughs> anyway, that's where we fall on this one. And I think it made a good point of showing that if you push up some press against the wall, they'll fight back. And that felt good to see and hear, especially when you hear horror stories that come through there. Because I've seen people ask tough questions to Dana and them shoot them down with responses like, that's none of your fucking business. And you know what? Sometimes it is because people are within their right to ask a question. And if you want to take the mob boss approach to it, then when you have egg on your face and you have to recant the lifetime ban... I mean, you did that to yourself. So that's it. Yeah. Well, we've we've covered it at least. Yeah. We've gotten our legs in. No, what's that? Uh, I'm getting escorted out of my own show right now. Oh, oh sorry. What did yeah. I, what did I even do? Dana, what did I do? Hey, you fucking moron. Get the fuck out of your own show. Well, well it's been rumored it. we have a mole. So, I'll be back by the next segment. I'm positive it's, I'm positive it's you. Hey, we're going to go find out if I'm guessing any better. It's just through sheer odds I got to win one, right? Stay tuned for Over Under Kevin. We've got Vernon back. Not factually, statistically correct, you fucking moron. Oh, I'm. Oh, I'm, guys, I'm getting escorted out too. I'll also try and be back for the next one. So, you know, the fun thing about doing on-site coverage when you are covering the worlds is that it goes so long, you don't necessarily get the chance to step away and watch the fights. So I am coming into this conversation somewhat clueless, uh, <laughs> though some people might argue it's not as clueless as Kevin, despite the fact that he actually watched it. So in order to review our over-under Kevin bet, it is important that we bring back on our friend Vernon Kirk. From uh, BJJ, Indian Apache, 
Kimosabi Trails out in the North Carolinas. Let's ask you this, though, Vernon. How are you doing tonight? And I have a follow-up for you immediately after you answer. Doing better than I was earlier tonight, so I feel good. You were telling us off-air that you felt a little under the weather. Um, Is that in part because of the nerves that you had due to the competition of over-under, Kevin? I, I was, I mean, I've, I, I didn't sleep the night before it's been, it's been rough, but I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm coming back stronger and I, you know, I, my confidence is up. I actually am kind of starting to realize maybe I should start putting money on these things. That's fine. We'll come back to that shortly. The other thing I want to ask you is this, uh, I mean, I have many questions, uh, but you definitely played the role of sending me memes about kevin onto my personal phone which i don't mind but it shows an extra level of commitment that is not always displayed or displayed by every single over under kevin just the special ones well special is a term that has been used to describe me so you know what awesome Excellent. This is the question I was going to ask you immediately thereafter, which was this. How dare you come on our show after going on the Big Jiu-Jitsu podcast? Here's the thing, kids. Don't act like I don't comb the internet. Word gets back to me very quickly. Very quickly. Well, I will say this um, because this is kind of all new for me and first time promoting something, first time doing things like this. I will admit I am kind of acting like a little bit of a man whore, but you know, I feel like the, I feel like that girl at, the, at her first college party, and I've had a few too many, and I just start grabbing random guys. It's not something I, I, I will say I've never done before, but you know, after being married for as long as I have, it is something I haven't done in a while. So I, maybe I'm just feeling that freedom. There's a lot to uncover in that. Kevin, do you want to take a crack at some of it? I definitely don't. I will say this. Uh, first of all, I appreciate the hoariness. You know, I celebrate the open lifestyle. I take it as a term of endearment. Second, you're prepared to say you're backstabbing your favorite podcast friends for a little I wouldn't side call it- piece? Is that... What I'm getting here? I wouldn't call it backstabbing. I would call it more um, polyamorous. Um, but you guys are definitely, you guys are my bottom bitch. Raph, I don't even. Let me address this very quickly. Vernon, <clears throat> first of all, in any scenario, Kevin and I will never be bottoms because let's just face it, I like to play up top. Second of all, if we're going to bring this past the jujitsu context, um, you are kind of whorish, and I do understand them. I I feel like going on the Big Jiu-Jitsu podcast uh, as hosted by our friends uh, John and Rob is fine. They are, you know, they're not quite like inside BJJ. If you go on them, you're kind of dead to us. But yep. we will allow you some kind of leniency this time. Should you make this mistake again? Because you booked yourself. Don't forget that. You were asking us to come on so that you could do this. Kevin and I will have to go to the five podcast families. And we'll have to present this to them. And I will say, don't you double cross me. When you come to the five podcast families, you don't go against us. No, uh, there's no second chances. 
it's if true. we go to that meeting with your name. It's true. There's no that. second chances. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, it's like I said in the little between you and Matt, I might just go heal and do my own at this point. Who knows? Nobody cares. You can try and do your own. But oh, I'll tell you, I'll make one call over to the BJJ Brick podcast and I'll be like, yo, this kid's blacklisted, you see? <laughs> well, I, uh, actually, I think someone. Jimmy's good. I think they've already have, uh, interviewed Jimmy from the Good Fight, so I've got I got my message out there too. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I know someone who talked to Taylor Swift once. I yeah, good job. A message to iTunes. Well, Vernon, now well, that I we... do have. Go on. I was gonna, I was gonna say I do have a picture with Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Savage, and uh, Brutus Beefcake. If that counts for anything. No, it doesn't. But it is an interesting fact, and I'm glad you displayed that. That's the kind of thing that I'm sure you put in your Match.com profile as well. If you had one and weren't happily married. But here's the thing, Vernon. Let's get to talking about matters that really matter, which is this. And now it's time for the thrilling installment of Over Kevin. Kevin. We're through giving you uh, a whole bunch of mess. We'll get to the result of Over Under Kevin at the very end of this discussion. But I have many questions. And the biggest of which is this. How the fuck did I not watch a fight? And then all of a sudden, fucking Kendall Luke Rockhold loses his belt <laughs> to a fucking Brit in fucking Michael Bisping. What the shit happened? I don't know. I he, Bisping hit him with. First of all, I've never seen Bisping hit anybody that hard in my entire life. And second of all, it was pretty. He actually, it was nice the way he did it. I, I, I want to say something anything but i i actually have to be very complimentative because he did very well now i think jacques had choked the life out of him but that's another story but i with the match i want to see after watching the event is i want to see bisbing henderson too i want to see henderson knock him out again i want him to see him say you know pull the uh half-baked fuck you fuck you fuck you i'm cool drop the belt drop the mic and walk out that's what I want to see. That's a, a big wish fulfillment. Here's the thing. It did happen at UFC 100, so we're almost at another uh, centennial, I guess you could say. But, Kevin, did you know that backstage, Michael Bisping was being such a bitch? And I say this with no due respect because, according to Luke Rockhold, again, we didn't really have a dog in this fight. We were just kind of like, we hope it's a good fight. And I don't think anybody has qualms about Michael Bisping necessarily winning I'd say uh, with excited. his talent. A borderline elated. But here's the story that Luke Rockhold told. He said that he went to, after he got knocked out, go pick up Michael Bisping in a sportsmanship uh, kind of way, and that Michael was going off on him. So that when they went into the press conference, Luke was very testy, and it, it went viral, and the two of them were talking trash to each other. And uh, at the very end of it, though, when they're breaking those two up, because, you know, whenever Dave Scholler's there, they have somebody that they have to break up. <laughs> Next thing you know, you see Dan Henderson get a thug life treatment of him staring at Michael Bisping. So, Vernon, the dream can exist. There was Dan Henderson looking very pissed at Michael Bisping in the presser. But, Kevin, do you want to see that fight or do you want to see Dan Henderson just call it a day? I believe he retired. I'm not a thousand percent sure he brought his family in and took a photo, which is rare for him. Well, he didn't. He did. He didn't officially retire. He basically said, "I got to think about it." Is what he is. Basically, what he said. The ghost of 
Lombard agrees that maybe I guess okay, Raph, here's the problem. I would have said before I watched Michael Bisping knock Luke Rockhold out, Henderson versus Bisping was impossible. I also would have further used the Henderson getting knocked out by Lombard evidence, except that didn't happen. So fuck it. I mean, let it ride. Right? Why not? Like if we if we have a chance, I do worry Dan Henderson will not be able to move by the next fight. He did not look more limber. He still looked uh, as creakish. Okay. But... Okay. Uh, and let's put a pause on that right now because I'm going to ask you, Vernon, if you're Chris Weidman, what are your thoughts right now? <sighs> if I'm Weidman, one, I realize I probably could have gotten my belt back. Two, it, because of the Jacare thing and because of there's going to be a lot of people clamoring for this Dan Henderson fight, whether it's really the fight to make or not, everybody's going to want to see it again and everybody's going to be asking for it. And as we all know, it's not always the number one ranking. It's who's the most popular. Or who's going to chance for Dan? Well, basically. And it's basically a chance for Dan to ride off into the sunset with the belt because I can see him, you know, putting his hands on Bisbee and knocking him out, but I don't see him beating anybody else at the top of that division. Granted, nobody thought he was going to beat Lombard, but except for me, um, <laughs> but uh, he, um, I don't see him beating Jacare. I don't see him beating Weidman. I don't see him beating, um, Rockhold, it's just, it's not going to be good, but it's a fight everybody wants to see, and it's one that's sellable. Well, here's not what just I from want. A I want, at this point now, Jacare to be in, because be. Jacare, I think, is the most deserving. He poses the biggest threat to all of them right now, and the biggest question marks, because if we're being honest, Dan Henderson and Michael Bisping needs to have medics on hold at a given's moment. On the other side, if you're Chris Weidman, this really fucks up your plans because you think, oh, I'll just come back in line. No big deal. Well, will he? Will he be at the top of the line? Is he going to have to fight an interim kind of match to work his way to a contender now? I mean, does he have to now fight uh, Dan Henderson? I mean, it's a very strange uh, series of events. And it's like Jacare have to fight. Uh, at this point, does he have to fight Weidman? Is there an immediate rematch between Rockhold and and Bisping? Kevin, what do you think? I was just thinking there's no way that Lawler can get a fight with Bisping by UFC 200, right? Because you know he's texted Dana, I could beat that guy. Like, we got to chat about this 185 business. I think the division's wide open. Jacare is my clear choice. Did he, I guess... I do not care to see Luke Rockhold versus Michael Bisping, too, at this point. First round knockout. Does that say a lot to you guys? That, to me, was a big deal. Well, it would be my, It would be actually three, not two. What but do I don't want to see it either. They fought once before that yeah. fight, and, oh, yeah, yeah. and Rockhold choked him out. Well, here's the thing, but then that opens up a discussion of, well, now they need a rubber match. Is that not correct? Right. Yeah. They do need a rubber match, but I don't think right off the jump. I think what should happen is you still do Weidman Rockhold 2. Winner gets the winner of Jacare Bisbee. 
Oh man, but the trash talk that. that we get with Bisping now is worth every second of this. Oh yeah, I've always been a champion. No big deal. You know, <laughs> I just been there for eleven, nineteen, whatever years. It's no big deal. Yeah, I mean, but the whole thing is that he wear me out, punch him, and then he's done. You know. Yeah. Did you? How do you feel about Luke Rockhold there, Bisping? Post. Uh you know, I mean, what, 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 what? No way. No, you know, uh, that's what I told him in the press conference. And yeah, I, I mean, just with Cheerio, you know, all the stuff like that. Uh, he's going to, are you going to wear the belt on the MMA hour? Oh yeah, well, definitely. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna wear it in the honor of uh, Ariel Hawani's death. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the champ, the count, Michael Bisping. Uh, well, you're welcome. I'm prompted, you know. Hey, Cheerio. <laughs> all right, bye. Good for you. Congratulations! I think uh, I think he's just going to be wearing it at the bar for the rest of the month, but that's what I'd do anyway. Can I reveal something for him? For two months, I did not like. I might be. Which in was our friends from Scramble and Tatami were in town for Worlds. They ended up at the very last minute going to the UFC, so they went to the Ooh. forum. They were excited, and uh, there's nothing worse than seeing these Brits who come to our country get super excited that one of their own countrymen stole a title from someone in the United States. I wasn't beside myself, but I was definitely not happy with them when I saw them the next day. Because oh, the first words out of ugly. their mouths were, you know, how about that Michael Bisping? Eh? Are they big Bisping? Because they have, I get it. I mean, oh, they, they are now, whatever. They, they might, might yeah, cool. they might not have been. They are definitely now. It just made them insufferable. And whenever you hear yeah. British people speaking with extra confidence, it's like British turned up to 12. It's way well, less tolerable. Let's put it this way. They like to drink. So, you know, liquid confidence definitely brings out a side of them. Yeah. But I was glad to pay host to them, and I'm glad that they got to their money's worth. Rap, so one other mm. thing I need to tell you about this fight. I don't know if Vernon yes. heard it. Seconds before Rockhold goes into the cage, they say he has a torn MCL. Yeah. Well, I heard that as well. I was about to say that. I heard that too. That was the day before. And can I tell you my thoughts on why they did that? Please, because weirdest time to get that information possible. Like uh, Um, seconds before he walks in. Like they didn't talk about it in the lead up, just right when he walked in. I believe this. I believe the reason why is because. They felt that is the narrative that it gets you an instant rematch or they felt like they needed to be in front of the stories should somebody have leaked because, you know, there's a mole apparently in the UFC that his knee may have been less than 100 percent, which is a very odd thing. So this is why I think it might have been leaked for the entire purpose of, oh, just in case he doesn't win, this sets up the third one. No big deal. The reason I felt that is because those kinds of announcements can sometimes sway odds. So you never know. I mean, I I always think of – I don't think of the fight being the finality. I always think about the next thing. And when I heard that, I said, are they already planning for a third one? Or Because then they have a clean excuse. Rockhold is like, well, I would have beaten him if my leg was not such a dummy. And then Bisping gets to go off and do his like, oh, you know, if he had one knee or nine knees, I'd still beat him. No big deal. <laughs> uh, sure, that's a valid theory. I thought they were just like, trying to sneak it in to fuck gamblers a little bit. I thought so. It but felt personal. Well, I think it's 
it's always the gambler thing. And yeah, but it's also with a lot of these things, I think some guys fight through some pretty heinous stuff, but at the same time, when it comes out that last minute, it seems a little off. But, you know, can I present a theory here, Kevin, if I were to leak out some information about you, like, Hey, yo, um, you're grappling Kevin tomorrow, his knee, you should go after it. Yeah. I'm not saying knee bars. What would you think I would be doing that because of? I would think you were doing that with malicious intent. Okay. Do you, Would it seem that maybe if I was a part of an organization that had a speaker on board, that that wouldn't be their nice little subtle way of being like, yo, the Kendall loses his championship tonight, you hear? <laughs> Uh, I guess I'm uh, big into that. I really like the idea that this was interconnected and Rockhold took a little bit of a dive. So it's a thought. It's a thought. That's all it is. I'm in on it. I'll tell you who didn't take a dive. <laughs> Uriah Faber. That guy's both of his all of his chins are secure and very hard to KO. Lord knows Cruz tried. Vernon, what did you think about that grappling sequence that happened in that first round? It was, I mean, the whole fight was good. That sequence was nice. I just didn't, the whole fight didn't surprise me. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to recall the sequence, too, is one of the reasons why I'm running my mouth. But it wasn't bad. I just, We got to see some wrath. Immediately, mm-hmm. Cruz is like, we're wrestling. And Faber's like, all right, <laughs> let's do this. Goes in for the double. They wind up. Faber's able to reverse it once they get up to the cage. He stuffs it. Then he goes to throw Cruz, like full on has his uh, hip hooked with his right arm. And it's like he's body slamming him. And then like a wet cat, Cruz somehow gets flipped over and winds up on top at the end of it. So they do this like 30 second. I take down. I don't know. It was, it was, I don't know who you got points to at the end of it. And then proceeded to just keep sweeping each other for the next three minutes. And it was like, I was not expecting to see this type of explosive grappling. The next four rounds are kind of the same, but we got some good grappling. This is worth seeing that first round for, especially. Can I ask a question here? Yes. It Was it a lot of, again, didn't see anything, Dominic Cruz basically making Uriah miss? Uh, was yeah. it a lot of, because yeah. if that was the case for those four rounds, that's what it sounds like. Yes. Um, was it a lot of Uriah trying to shoot in and getting stuffed and yes. kind of reversed? Uh, not so much reversed, but definitely stuffed, yeah. Definitely stuffed, okay. And yep. was there a clear exhibition by one Dominic Cruz that kind of silenced the fact that Uriah has made good steps, but that maybe in a championship fight, it is not going to be his best fight? He cannot beat Cruz. That was proven. He no. doesn't have the capacity. He doesn't have the hand speed. All the things you just said, which is weird. You didn't see the fight. But Cruz, to his credit, was trying to end this fucking fight. Like, he was swinging, and he was it, getting in there. Did you hear his corner at the, end of the, at the end of the fourth round going into the fifth? No. 
the whole corner was like, you're trying too hard to knock oh, them out. You're yeah. trying too hard. You've yeah, got to calm down. You do better. You knock them down when you were calm. Calm down. And Cruz was like, no, I'm finishing him. I'm fucking finishing him. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Like The fight was intense from yeah. start to finish because it looked like Faber got wobbled probably probably once around after the first one. I saw the knockdown with uh, Faber, and he definitely looked like a young child when he got knocked down. Like, you know, when yes, that a child surprise kind face. of, yeah, that surprise face, like he didn't know he was going to like fall out of his high chair, but then he looks at you like, why didn't you stop this? And you're like, well, you're an idiot. That kind of surprised. Yeah. yeah. Um, also so, like a child, he couldn't keep his fucking pants on. I did hear that. Oh, God. Yeah. Would not stop coming down. Every time they went up against the cage, shorts are down. Hot. Don't get me wrong. It's hot. Yes, I'm sure, Kevin. That was was the one. Distracting while they were trying to fight. (laughs) I'm very glad that that's where Kevin goes. His analysis is astute as always. Um, Okay, so that was stuff that was happening in that fight. Um, What's next for Uriah? Vernon, I ask you this. He's going to keep doing what he's doing. They're going to put him in fight. They're going to give him a few more fights against a few ham and eggers. He's going to build his rep back up. And then all of a sudden when they need somebody at 45 or 35 to fill in either in a title fight or a big card, they're going to put him in again. Kevin, can I ask you what a ham and egger is? A uh, ham and egger is a number three. It's snooze AM on the corner of Larimer and 14th. Okay. It also can be a redneckish term. Mm-hmm. For someone that's maybe not the sharpest of fighters, they're kind of just a little bit more sluggish. Vernon, what does a hammer mean? It's another term for for a jobber coined by Bobby the Brain Heenan. Very good. Just wanted to make sure there was a discrepancy in uh, wrestler knowledge on this show. Again. Is the head <laughs> phrase? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Great fight. So angry. Um, uh, I have some questions. Okay, Max Holloway worth watching, or should I just watch a highlight clip? Just watch a highlight clip. Mostly, Lamas just can't be knocked out. You already saw the last thirty seconds. The guy cool. posted. Yep. Uh, Vernon Dustin Poirier, impressive KO. Absolutely. He had mm-hmm. green with all types of wobbled and he got wobbled as soon as he put his hands down. He put his hands down, started running his mouth and got clocked clean right in the jaw. Um, this is an interesting one because I don't know what it would have looked like without this. But Alex Caceres versus Cole Miller. Cole Miller loses, but Cole was supposed to fight BJ Penn. How was that fight? I did not get a chance to see that one. You guys are worthless. All right. Clay Guida and Brian Ortega. uh, I heard it was a very, very vicious, vicious knee uh, from one uh, T-City. The knee was nasty, and he was losing the the fight on most cards, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, the the hair shakes. That's (laughs) that's all you need to know. Whenever whenever Clay Guida gets hit so hard as a hair shakes, that's usually bad. Or need, in this case. Uh, let's have see. Long hair wrap. I, I get it. Uh, Benny Jarouche. I didn't know that he was uh, going to get a knockout. Nobody seemed to predict that, except maybe Vernon. Yeah, and James Vick's well, stupid I, I was... face. So angry. Kevin, you know what was really sad <laughs> is I was uh, at Worlds talking with somebody as I saw that highlight come up, 
And of course, I'm around jujitsu people who are like, of course, we root for the jujitsu guy. And I was like, well, not my co-host. It's not that I wasn't rooting for him. At, the exact wording I said to you last week was, Kev, don't you have to root for the jujitsu guy? And you, like a child, nay, like Uriah Faber getting knocked down, looked at me bewildered and said, no, Raph, not at all. That is the way it's going to go. Did you have a point or you just... I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a cool thing to do. Hey, Kevin Casey had to fight even though uh, his father-in-law passed away, uh, unfortunately, that night. So uh, he fought to a majority draw is what I'm hearing. Yep. Yep. Well, that's weird. Okay. Uh, Then I heard that the first fight, and this is very rare that you hear on a card especially one with some fairly big names. The very first fight was the fight of the night between Marco Polo and Dong Young Kim. Yeah, Dong. Yeah, we knew it. We knew that had potential. Yeah. Whatever. Vernon, did you see this fight? I have not. I've heard, like, I've seen a bunch of my friends, especially some, uh, some few of my really good uh, striking enthusiast friends, and everybody has raved about the fight. It unfortunately... Between last week of school and uh, my dog, I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch Fight Pass yet. I'm kind of sad. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I am going to probably tr- I am probably going to cue that one up on the Fight Pass. So I am looking forward to seeing that. But that got Fight of the Night performances of the night. Dog went, went to Michael Bisping and Dan Henderson. So congrats to them. Uh, I think it's time that we get around to some results. Kevin, yeah. what do you have to say? I, you know, uh, this is one's razor close. <laughs> okay, how so? I had the diamond, and I had Bruce Leroy. Oh, oh okay. Sometimes you pick some winners. Okay. Um, both of us had Rockhold. Fucking favor. I was just trying to be his friend. Yeah. And I also went with Ortega. I went against the Carpenter. Okay, okay. Um, Vernon, what do you have to say in response to Kevin's cautious knowledge that this might have been a razor-thin decision? I don't think Kevin won a fight after the uh, Poirier fight. And uh, so the last four fights, I'm pretty sure he choked. And I'm very confident in my... uh, in my uh, ability to win this, but that's also because I sat down and re-listened to it and wrote it all down because I kind of nerd out sometimes. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I believe we can let you go ahead and reveal the winner then. Oh, this is bullshit. Eight. I won eight to six. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Close-ish. Uh, god damn it i need to hire a full-time production crew with the rate in which i'm losing ufc events it's like dan henderson comes back from the fucking dead to get me uh lamas forgot that he's a jiu-jitsu guy i guess wholesale oh fuck kevin what's your response to all of this it's bullshit for who me why uh, again, I'm going back to the Henderson thing. That When that happens, it's just not your night. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, so you taking on an old man and saying, nah, he's not going to win. You're going to blame him for giving you an awesome knockout? Lombard's from Cuba. I thought there would be some steroids. In, I guess I was hoping. I just... Uh, 
I didn't see this coming. Okay. Vernon. Great uh, knockout. Yeah, whatever. He leads What advice forward. do you have for Kevin? Because Walker. Like, we keep trying me. to give Kevin advice, and I don't know that any of it's seeping. Spoiler alert. It's not going well. well. You know, for Kevin, it's like I, I, I feel good because he always kind of sort of tries. And you want to at least, you know, give him like a like a participation ribbon or trophy or something for that. But God, you don't honestly, know how many, I did most of this off the There was a lot of elementary school teachers that wrote that exact phrase. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um Vernon, before you go you know, on, I just need I'm gonna let you finish that in a second, but do I have permission to send you the last meme? Uh there the last meme to Kevin that you sent me oh, about him. Please Please send them both. Absolutely. I was gonna post. I was gonna post them on Facebook. And the only reason I sent them to you mm-hmm. is because I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag yet. And I'm like, okay, when this comes out tomorrow or the next day, I'll be glad to post them as well. Absolutely, <laughs> Kevin. Have you checked your phone yet? Checking. <sighs> Can you please describe for us what you see? <laughs> Okay, well, first of all, the 90s kid in me loves this already. Personally, I find it offensive and not very entertaining. It says it's a white, very clean picture of what looks like a futuristic magic eight ball. Uh, Again, props on the graphic work. Up at the top, it just says, will Kevin ever win? Question mark. And the magic eight ball reveals very doubtful. It's a very sad moment. Um, we have other things that we need to send to you, so keep that phone out, Vernon. Uh, I was. I said you were going to go on elementary school, <laughs> Vernon. I said there, I was going to let you finish. What else did you have to say about Kevin? Well, I was going to say, I, in a way, I kind of feel bad because I didn't get a chance. Normally, when I do stuff like this, I used to, I used to do a lot of uh, stuff like this with football and did fairly well for myself for quite a while. And I didn't get a chance to do half the research I would normally do if any of it and most of this was just right off the top of my head and i'm that's one of the reasons i'm kind of staring at this i'm like maybe i should start making myself some money <laughs> that's what you want to say to me that was your big <laughs> that's the helpful advice you have well it's just you know go with your gut go ahead no we've we've scientifically proven kevin's gut is like Fucking the opposite of what's that. right <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> and then he's actually tried to go against his gut which is even more confusing to everybody else. Um, Kevin, did you see the second thing I've just sent you? For Kevin, because you always kind of sort of try, and it's a participation trophy. And how big is the participation trophy? It's uh, about the size of a penny, a United States penny. Okay, now, uh, Vernon, can you remind us what Kevin has to do for his bet? Kevin has to do... The shake, it has to do a full, like, I'm talking Kenner Gracie BJJ breakdown of the honky tonk man's finishing (laughs) move, the shake, rattle, and roll. But you can't do the old fat Elvis. You can't do, and you also have to fix your hair like him. But you can't do the, you can't do the fat Elvis one where you just let the guy fall. You have to go full (laughs) with him and take the bump as well. Got it. Well, wait, 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 wait. Does someone have to do it to him? Does he have to oh, take yes, the bump? Oh, yes, that too. Mm. Well, he has to do, he has to do both. Mm. Well, I, I'll have to have someone to demonstrate the move on, right? That's their big thing. Mm. Fuck. 
Well, okay. okay. I've got a video. I accept. I'm understanding. I mean, we'll you know, the important options. thing is Kevin is really – he'll get into character. He's had to do something similar to this before, so I have faith in him at least doing that. Um, Vernon, tell us a little bit about the event that's coming up for you. Um, Jiu-Jitsu Theater, www.jujitsutheater.com. Um, during the day, if you're anywhere near North Carolina and you want to compete, we've got white belt and blue belt tournaments. Um, three-man brackets, gi and no gi. Then purple belt is two-man brackets. We have a break, and during the break, we are showing a kung fu movie. Then at night, we have nine super fights headlined by Gordon Carroll versus Roger the Leprechaun Carroll, who uh, is a Bellator vet and a rather grizzled uh, North Carolina, not just MMA fighter. He's fought from the likes of uh, Uriah Hall, Clint Hester, and just went three rounds with Neiman Gracie. Um, we also have Sean Applegate from 10th Planet going against Jonathan Callistine of Henzo Gracie. We've got CJ Murdoch out of uh, South Carolina going against Matt Kaplan, another Henzo guy. Um, Cody Malti nice. of the, of the uh, World Series of Fighting going against uh, one of my best friends in uh, Smuggy Living Cat Crash on His Couch for two months, Sean Burton. Um, I've got a really cool brown belt matchup between Joe Selecki and a good friend of mine, Stafford Hamilton. Um, I've got a really nice heavyweight matchup between Chico Santiago and my buddy Chad Tyler. It's going to be an awesome night of fights. I'm really looking forward to this event. I will be hosting and you may or may not see me in a Kung Fu outfit. Well, if that wasn't the appeal before, I don't know what is aside from the fact that every single person, you know, is fighting. (laughs) I do appreciate the fact that you're coming on here Ooh. to talk with us about it, but I have to ask, where do people go if they want to see this? Go to www.jujitsutheater.com. There's also an event on Facebook, and worst case scenario, find my Facebook profile and message me if you have questions. Um, I think I missed two fights. One is actually good. To, uh, one of my training partners, John Shell, against Patrick Mahoney. Check out Shell Shot Geese. And Steven Hernandez versus Matt Leonard. Another couple of good friends of mine. Hear that, everybody? All of his friends. All at one place, all at one I, time. Well, you know, except for you guys. I, I will miss you guys there. Aw, Kevin. I know. Listen to that. Uh, Kevin, do you have any questions for him? Because he did say he'll take questions about it. Gordon Ryan. Stoked. You got some... Yes. That's some big names going on. Congrats. I don't have any questions. Just a Thank compliment. You. I always like to see these things being popped up on the East Coast. and It's cool to give people a chance that don't normally get to show off their skills on a pay-per-view, get to show off their skills on a pay-per-view. And one thing I know about competing in jiu-jitsu is that it makes you better at jiu-jitsu. So compliments, sir. And we do have to ask, how did the Gordon Ryan thing come together? Because it just seems like everybody on the Internet is uh, – Trying to get a match with Gordon Ryan right now. And, Kev, this begs the question before he answers. Gordon Ryan, so hot right now? So hot right now. Whoever's after Hansel. So hot. You know? It's the Gord Rise. Well, Jimmy's, Jimmy's got a good relationship. Uh, Jimmy owns the good fight with the Henzo guys. And he's had Gordon. He's had... 
um, Tyler Blass, he's had Gary Tonin, he's had Eddie Cummings all do super fights for him. Um, I had another main event. I still want to go out on the card, but I had another main event in mind, but one of the participants wasn't going to be able to make it that day. Um, so that'll be safe for another day. But with Gordon, it was, this was all booked before EBI. Mm. And I'm sitting in my, I'm sitting there watching EBI and I'm like, he's doing, he's going to win this. I'm sitting there like mad texting Jimmy. I'm like, we were that day we had, we had announced that Gordon was going to be on the card to boot. And I'm like, so we announced today and he's winning EBI. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I was doing backflips. It was awesome. <laughs> Great timing. I feel like that's kind of, after I graduated from George Mason, it climbed from like a 125 to like a top 100 school. And it's like, fuck yes. You keep climbing. <laughs> keep going. Just get up on that steam. Similar. Well, Vernon, we here are going to be rooting for you. We cannot wait to see this event go down. It's it's exciting. I, you know, that's a great caliber event. That's going to get a lot of not just the people on the main card some attention, but the people who are competing there. So we're always in favor of uh, putting the athletes first and foremost. So. Uh, props to you for doing that. And we can't wait to hear what this Kung Fu movie is and the fact that you're going to appear in perhaps some sort of Kung Fu outfit remains to be seen. There's a, pot- there's a potential. Um, I'm, you know, we'll have to see. Um, you know, I, the key is, you know, either A, can I get the one from uh, the very end of Last Dragon, the really pimpish white and gold one, <laughs> or B, can I at least get, can I get the big hat? I want the hat. That's fair. And I guess the other thing is, if you do another one of these, can it be so much to ask that maybe you do it in as a professional wrestler? Because I feel that would be fair to Kevin. Uh, so keep that in mind, maybe for your next event. Oh, trust me, I've I made it. I've had a couple of super fights myself, and you always have like these ideas of what your walkout's going to be like and everything else. And, oh yeah. Um, on my Instagram page, there's this lovely meme I made of. You see Goldberg walking out and it says, when you, get, when you first get your walkout, you get your first walkout, and you see Goldberg doing his walkout. Then you sit, then right after that, it goes reality, and it's a scene of Goldberg walking out. <laughs> that is a very funny one, by the way. So uh, learn you. to watermark your shit, or I'm going to continue to be really. I got to do that. Uh, well, I will get on that. Well, I'm an old man, and I'm. Stop most saying of what I know old. on a computer. God damn it. <laughs> Every time you do that, it's just like, I don't know how to read. I'm an old man, and when I grew up, we didn't need that sort of thing in North Carolina. Why didn't you grow up here, man? Whatever. You've assimilated. (laughs) You're one of them now. (laughs) Listen, here's the thing. Vernon, we love having you on. Uh, We will love to have you back someday. If you guys are in North Carolina, it's Indian Trail BJJ. You're going to want to check out jujitsutheater.com. All of this great stuff. Vernon is one of the funnier people that we talk to. And uh, one of the nicest things that we could say about him is when he goes on other people's podcasts, he definitely tries to give as much as he can. So uh, we don't hate you for going on other ones, but don't think we don't pay attention. So I'm, you know, I'm a whore. I admit it. Sorry about that, boys. And you know what? You've been caught, (laughs) you whore. So (laughs) calm down, okay? I will try. All right. Ladies All right. And you guys have a good Kurt. evening. Thank you so much, man. Yep. Absolutely.
Raph, I'm really starting to get upset about this. <laughs> I'm really not pleased with my losing streak. Well. You know, maybe it's time to go to BJ's. See if I can <laughs> shake my luck out with some dessert vomiting. Um, I'm going to tell you right now my Chewbacca is embarrassing. Okay. I mean, I, I thought I it might I might try be. and do a before and after. Like, I'm going to show him what it's like right now, unfiltered. <clears throat> it's bad. Okay. Uh, it's bad. It's time for shout outs. I'll go first because I feel like mine are going to be a little. You trained everywhere, which is awesome. Yes. First, Frank the Tank Lester engaged in Hawaii. Amazing. I know. Kids of Business said, Another shout out, DK Lee. My man Dave stopped by. He uh, found you. He came to say hello. <laughs> he was the biggest person I've trained with still, like on a regular basis. He's my friend. Like that'll that'll really sharpen your defense game, people out <laughs> there. You'll learn how to get elusive with that deep half, or you will stop breathing from pressure. <laughs> Those are your options, because when they're when they've got some skill in the big. Tons of fun. Big shout out also to Island Jiu-Jitsu. They're getting three champs, IBJJF champs from this world over the next three weeks. So if anyone's traveling, hey, more people in Hawaii. I should tell mm. Frank the Tank, though it sounds like he's on a bit of a pleasure cruise. Mm. Go train at Island Jiu-Jitsu. It'll change your ability to... with stand heat it's very hot it's a great teaching but uh the killers in there are ready for it to be 124 degrees with some humidity mm -hmm. that's going to do it for me raf let's go ahead and start by thanking everybody i got to train with this week because it was uh worlds i stayed out that way and i tried to get in uh training with as many people uh down uh what is normally three freeways worth of uh, traveling time, which means if it's more than two freeways, I probably won't go train with you. But in this particular exception, I actually went out that way and was very pleased to get in some great training with some good people. It all started with uh, last week. I was doing some Memorial Day training over at uh, Phenom, so that was a lot of fun. Then uh, on that Wednesday night, I went over to go to train with our good friends uh, HBUTC which are the folks at the Huntington Beach Ultimate Training Center with Johnny Morgan. Uh, I got to see Wes Durrell, who I couldn't train with because I wanted to make sure he could compete well the next day. Those guys were so nice. Such great training over there. Johnny Morgan is basically teaching these wrestlers a lot of jiu-jitsu, which is scary. Yeah, so terrifying, by the it way. It does take a while to really get adjusted to seeing uh, jiu-jitsu done by people who already have relentless energy to begin with. But um, I can tell you, those guys are going to be even bigger killers the more they continue to do things. But I was very thankful to get in some time to train with them. Uh, I want to go ahead and say thank you to all of those people. We got to film some really um, – how do I say this? Silly sort of videos, maybe some WWE BJJ inspired <laughs> videos as well with them. So uh, I was so thankful to those guys for having a good sense of humor. I think you guys will enjoy the stuff that we're going to go ahead and put out there uh, a little bit later. Um, I also got to train over with our good friends at Millennia MMA. That's uh, our good friend. Oh, my God. I got to tell you this. Kev, I got to train with Steven Martinez for the first time ever. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was everything I wanted and more because not only did he thrash me, but like the whole time I just kept 
having a giant smile on my face that was like, this is great. This is amazing. Uh, I can't thank him enough. Uh, And also all the good people over there. I got to train with some of their guys who just – they always bring a high-pressure situation. I got to confer a little bit of uh, shit-talking with our good friend Mike Flatch from the Breakdown Invitational a couple weeks ago. And uh, that experience was truly amazing there. However, he and Cody Bollinger were ducking training me that last time. So a fuck of those guys. It sounds like them. Yep, absolutely. They were running away. They are just like, ah, no. So I thought that was weird. I also want to say thank you to the good folks over at Noah Tillis, BJJ. Noah Tillis himself gave me some incredible tips that I cannot wait to implement into my game. Noah Tillis also shot maybe the best video with me I got to do the entire time, and his comic timing was immaculate. I encourage you guys to go uh, check out his big competition that's going to be going down next week in Southern California in Montebello. It is the SoCal Jiu-Jitsu Championships. It is going to have so many awesome super fights. You guys want to get in on this. So yes, go check that out. That is the SoCalJiuJitsuChampionships.com. Go quickly because those spots are going faster than you can even sign on. Um, My thanks to him and his great crew over there. Got some folks who really enjoy our podcast, said very nice and complimentary things. And uh, I can't wait to go back there and train because that's almost near where the home hood is for me. The next day, uh, I got some more training in with Johnny Morgan. And then later that evening, I went over to um, Carlson Gracie, Irvine Jiu-Jitsu, with our good friend Jason Youssef, and man, are his guys awesome too. Uh, great thing about training with him is he uh, had very nice things to say about my jiu-jitsu, at which point I said he was lying. But he probably was. I think, yeah, he was. But <laughs> it was very nice of him to say those things, so that's I was appreciative true. of that. <laughs> that's, that's hard to argue with. <laughs> but um, he was so nice and, and really went out of his way to give me great pointers and uh, there's nothing quite like getting a roll in with a black belt at his proficiency level. So uh, getting some great tips for what it is I like to do. Uh, couldn't thank him enough for that. I also got to train over our good friends at Systems Training Center on Saturday. And there's nothing quite like MMA folks who push you to go incredibly hard mm-hmm. because they are intense. And I got to roll with Marcus for a, the first time in a long time. Isaac, who... Uh, damn near was trying to rip my head off of the top of my neck. Uh, you also had, uh, I believe, uh, a guy who's going to be fighting very soon, Matt. And it was a great day to be there because it was just after the RFA fights, which I did not get to go to. But Christos made a great impression. And later that night, our good friend Albert the Warrior Morales was picked up by the UFC. So yeah. we're stoked to see that and so happy for him. And uh, that was a whole bunch of the training I got to do over the week. My thanks to all of those gyms for opening those doors. It seems like they not only enjoy the Breakdown Invitational and all the stuff we're doing there, but they've been so nice in offering their time and their jiu-jitsu. And uh, I think you'll see more coming from those particular gyms in general, as well as their fighters, uh, perhaps doing some fun stuff with us in the near future. So thank you to all of them. And it felt good to be at places that just appreciate having visitors and being nice and open and and, and really cool with their training. I also want to say thank you to everybody at Worlds who uh, took their time out to hang out. I mean, Kev, I was lucky enough to get asked to be in photos, and I don't know why, but people were very nice to ask me to appear in them, so I obliged. Verbal uh, tap. I want to say a very nice uh, a shout out to our good friend Sal Garcia. He is so nice and uh, he looked like he was having a blast 
And uh, he put me in a photo spread with like Shanji and, you know, a Mendez brother. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing in a picture with all these fucking people? This is too weird. So there's that. I want to thank uh, Dan Hubler for opening up the Nawaza factory. I got to see him happy. Switch up Eddie. All of those good folks got to drink and have a little bit of a good time talking with those guys. I want to thank Blanca, Melissa Garcia for opening up uh, – her uh, door to having us come to check out the Jiu-Jitsu Global Federation. There's going to be some big things going on. I think you guys are already seeing some of them with uh, the announcement that Hickson is now kind of involved in Gracie Combatives. So they're making some adjustments to their online Blue Belt program. I think you guys might want to read those. They're very interesting. It was a big event that was like a combination of the Oscars and uh, a conference. So it was very interesting to see what they have planned in the future. Uh, we will report more on that in the future as things go on, but there were a major collection of people. Anytime you turn around and you see Jean-Jacques and uh, Damien Maya and just a ton of people like Mackenzie Dern and just jiu-jitsu legends, uh, Eduardo Tellis, all these great people all collected in one room. It's for a good cause. I want to thank the people over at Scramble, Matt and Ben, and of course our friends over at Tatami for being so nice and, and chilling with me. Kit from the Jiu-Jitsu Times, Jaime from BJJ Rants for saving me a seat on Black Belt Sunday, our good friend Jimbo Lawson for hanging out and watching great fights with me. I love talking with that guy, and he's just one of the nicest people out there. And I want to thank the great commentary team from Flow Grappling, including all of the guys, obviously Kenny, Bishop, um, Sean, it was especially nice to talk with a little bit of those guys for a little while, but all the guys behind the scenes like Hal. Uh, Ricardo, uh, Chase, all of the people being very, very nice. And I guess our last shout out, I just want to say thank you so much. And, uh, to John, he was shouted us out a couple times, but I just want to let him know I was incredibly proud of what he did. What he was doing on that show was a true reflection of how much he loves jujitsu. And I'm just glad and stoked he got the opportunity to do it. So I want to let him know if he is listening, he did a fantastic job. And if any of you tell him I said that, I'll murder you. Uh, it was so fun. Yep. And uh, thanks to Valley Martial Arts Center. I'll see you guys soon. I'm going to be coming back to train this week and uh, Breakdown Academy. And if you guys are so looking to compete or know somebody who you might want to compete at the Breakdown Invitational, send us an email. And we will be considering people for the next one coming up very soon. It's john at bjjbreakdown.com. Send an email there with the name, rank, Weight, um, affiliation, a short bio of 150 words or less, and a link to the, your best match. And uh, we will put you in consideration for the next Breakdown Invitational taking place out here in North Hollywood. And, Kev, that will do it for me. That's going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. Oh, uh, we're getting asked to leave. Eh, oh, shit. From our own show. Them the rules. Hey, you fucking dummy! Get the fuck out of here, fucking dummy! All right.